Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello, everyone. My name is Tegan Higginbotham. What? I messed up my own last name. How did you do this that? This is how bad my name is. You know how most names are kind of, they're based on professions that your family used to have back in the day. Yes. Right? Is Higginbotham a verb? Like, can you Higginbotham a thing? I don't think you can Higginbotham a thing, but I do know that there was apparently some rift in Ireland where the name comes from, and there there was a split. So you've got the Higginbothams, yeah. then the Higginses, and you've also got the Bothams. Right. So rather than... Okay, so what I would have assumed would have happened is that the losers would have to accept the, the name Higginbotham <laughs> and the winners would get a really cool name. Paul, if you're trying to point out that I'm on the loser's side when it comes to history, I'm not surprised, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with that. Okay, because I also have a terrible, unwieldy name. Anyway, I'm Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> Welcome to Dish Island. Sorry for the shambolic intro, but gosh, we are still recovering from an absolutely bizarre thing that we did last week. We did our very first live cook-along, which is basically when everybody tunes in on Zoom and watches you cook, and it turns out it's really stressful. Yeah, suddenly we understand exactly what it's like to host a full-blown cooking show. Oh my gosh, <laughs> our respect, not only for celebrity chefs, yeah. but for anybody who's having to cook on television or in front of a live audience. Mm. You know when you watch people doing Bake Off? And you're like, how could you forget to put the fruit in the fruitcake, you idiot? What did you forget to do? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I forgot to put lemon into my lemon souffles. It is wild. But basically, we were doing this as a part of ACAST's incredible initiative for Mental Health Awareness Month, mm. Sounds Mindful. Yeah. They held all of these events over the month. And the very last event was Paul and I cooking. We did a two-course meal. Oh. Paul, you cooked your chickpea oriquette. Yep. I cooked lovely, lovely, fluffy, cloud-like, flourless lemon souffles. And they both turned out really well, which was good. Yeah, it was great. But we had to do it two <laughs> days in a row because we had to do a test cook. So for two days in a row at lunchtime, we had heavy, heavy pasta <laughs> and four souffles. But what was weird is we had everything prepped. We had notes written. Mm. And then as soon as people tuned in, I struggled because... The performer in me just wanted to kind of talk at people and start like tap dancing and ba 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 ba, stay entertained. But then I also had to remember that I your stand up is terrible based on that. <laughs> I needed to cook. Yeah. And here was the other strange thing: I haven't actually done anything like this in quite a while, and my hands were shaking. Oh. I know my hands were shaking. So then it came to the moment where I had to separate the egg yolks from the egg whites. Mm. And I couldn't do it. I kept on just kind of smashing the entire egg. It was like I'd gone full Hulk mode. Yeah, your hands were shaking so badly, though, that you held the whisk and just held it still. And it went... (laughs) 
<laughs> it went absolutely ham. Didn't even need the kitchen aid. No, but it went really well. It was very, very enjoyable. And at the end, we waved goodbye to everybody, cleaned up the kitchen, ate lots of food. We had this discussion about, wow, this must be a little taste of what it's like to be a TV chef. Could you imagine what it's like on that level, though, where you're the super sort of chef, like a Jamie Oliver or yeah. Nigella or somebody like that. Well, speaking of Nigella, I was on Twitter and Nigella was tweeting about her, the, I think the 10th anniversary of one of her cookbooks. Right. And I tweeted at her, congratulations. Hey, just on a whim, do you want to come on our show? Did you actually? Yeah, I did. And she replied. What? Well, she didn't just go, oh, yes, please. She did say... Uh, I'm terribly busy, but could you please get in touch with my publicist at Penguin Books? And I got to say quite genuinely, oh, uh, I'm also published by Penguin Books. Why don't I shoot them a line? So then I contacted my editor. When did all of this happen? Oh, like uh, the day before yesterday, I don't want to tell you. So I got in touch with my editor, Sophie, over at Penguin. Are you telling me that we're having Nigella on the show? I'm saying we might (gasps) be having Nigella on the show. What did Sophie say? Sophie said, that sounds fantastic. Um, Here's the person you should contact. So now I've got the direct email of Nigella's, like, best mate who does all her books of Penguin and has for years. It's a work in progress. This might be a bit of a kind of recurring narrative throughout Dish Island. We she's get... not going to come on, Paul. Well, yeah, but she's, she's Nigella. But can you imagine the stuff she's going to tell us? Like, what's her Desert Island Dish going to be? I don't know. How many double entendres <laughs> will she be dropping? So, I don't know. Anyway, it's very exciting. Potential Nigella Lawson. But speaking of incredibly sensuous people... Our guest today on Dish Island is exactly that. Today's guest is a critically acclaimed comedian, TV host and actor, and most recently he finished up a stellar run as Dan on Rosehaven. Please welcome to Dish Island, Luke McGregor. Luke, thank you so much for joining us on the island today. First of all, if we may ask, how did you get here today? Uh, I was on a cruise ship, um, one of the comedy cruise ships, and I was doing a gig and it went so bad that I just couldn't stand the ship anymore. I'm, I'm not because you have to go to the Bay Maria and stuff, and everyone on the ship has seen you. And so I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle the awkwardness. So I just jumped off and um, swam to the island, and I will stay here until <laughs> the stink of that gig is is gone, which could be have, forever. Have you actually done one? I, I never did a comedy cruise ship, but I they were always spoken about in such terrified whispers from from people who've been scarred by the experience have you performed stand-up on a cruise ship yeah i have and most of the gig i talked about how much pressure this was because i (laughs) i it's like i don't know you get like i think it was like 500 people a gig on this 1500 something cruise ship and um by the time you've done your spots everyone's seen you so you become like this mini celeb on the on the ship and uh, luckily, everyone had a good one. But um, the fear, the, the the sweats, the it was it was tough. It was um, I, I'd never do it again. Even I, I kind of made the decision that this was pre-COVID, but now post-COVID, <laughs> I would definitely not do another cruise ship. But um, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. And also, they had an issue with the plumbing. So the oh my god, a large section of the ship smelt like poo um because there was a clog up with the toilets wouldn't they wouldn't flush or something and it was um that's material right like at least you got something to make jokes about yeah well the the cruise ship staff said to her listen if you could not make jokes about the plumbing <laughs> really so you you were trying to do these gigs without mentioning poo none of us obeyed that that rule but um it was funny to get asked they're just like oh yeah no we won't mention the, the lingering smell of poo in the end and i would just push through it i'm not talking about comedians here i have not spoken to a single person who has had a positive life experience 
on a cruise, there is always some weird thing, like there's always a gastro outbreak or... It's usually gastro, right? It's usually gastro. There's generally always a gastro outbreak. Or, you know, you see footage of those crazy cruises where you've got all these people in their 60s trying to have a nice sit-down meal when they're getting hit with torrential waves and, you know, there's a baby grand piano (laughs) (laughs) shooting across the deck. that's the f***ing Titanic, all right? I've seen the footage. It happens, Paul. It happens. Yeah, and then Leo held Kate up. I just... I, I, I think... Look... For me, my dad always referred to cruise ships as RSLs on the ocean. And I don't know if that, that he did not mean that kindly. Is that a fair appraisal, Luke? I think it's a, it's a fun rabbit hole. It's a fun YouTube rabbit hole to go down is just um, cruise ships in, in bad weather and just watching <laughs> things slide around um, or people walking sideways. Uh, I remember Cal Wilson was telling me she was doing a gig in really, really horrendous waves. And she was like almost standing sideways on the stage at one point. Like it's, um, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't like them. They're um, they're just not. It's like they're a little they're a little petri dish. I think a petri dish as opposed to an RSL. They're um, everyone catches everything that everyone's got. It's just not a I, not 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 a fan. And speaking of, what was the food like on the cruise that you're on? Because you know you travel to eat, or that's certainly why Paul and I travel. We travel to eat. Was it the sort of thing where you could just go and spend a couple of hours and really really love it, or is it you know petri dish meets Bay Marie. No, food was good. Food oh. was one of the lifesavers, and there was a lot of booze. Um, the best thing that happened was they had a, uh, a cruise ship party um, where all the guests were invited to come, and uh, in the main sort of foyer area, and it was I think it was it was a white party, and they were so everyone was dressed in white, and they were trying to get everyone to dance, and not enough people came, so they made some of the wait staff join the party and dance. <laughs> Just to just to make it look a bit more full in their civvies or in uniform. No, they got them. They got them uh, white outfits um, to uh, to dance. It was quite. Um, it was quite sad. It was, but it was fun to watch this these poor staff. So there's a lot of guests huddled around the party, but not joining in the party, watching these poor staff members have to dance. Between yeah. this story and you know lingering memories of Dirty Dancing, and of course the new series, Paul, I always forget the name of the series that we just watched, which was set on the resort island. Oh, White Lotus. White Lotus, of course which has changed my view of being able to travel forever. You do, I I just think that any situation I'm in now, I'm going to be thinking more about the staff than I ever did before and how uncomfortable these situations must be for them. But there's no native population on a boat. It's not like you're coming in kind of (laughs) annoying the locals. The locals, there's no locals on a boat. It's sovereign land, right? I mean... But for you, Luke, where did they put you? I mean, you were basically a celebrity, like you said. You would I mean, have gotten a pretty good room. No, no, no. We were we were down in the uh, sort of crew area, I think, from memory. Um, they, I mean, the, room, the rooms are fine, but it was a small, small sort of single-person room um, with the toilet that didn't flush. So, Oh, God. What can you do? Um, but I, I was trying to think of a, uh, like a, something that I was grateful for while I was on the ship. I had friends <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine, but yeah, no, not a, it's not, it's not, the life on the sea is not for me. The funny, and also just waiting till we got out to the international waters so they could start, open up the casino. Just like, all right, no one can gamble yet. It's not legal. Okay, now it's legal. Go. Really? Yeah. Um, so they couldn't, um, they had, there were certain restrictions that until they got into international waters, you couldn't, um, you weren't allowed to gamble and you um, were prohibited from murdering, murdering anyone until we reached a certain area. And then you could, right. then it was, the, then it was just the, um, 
The purge? Like it's, it's, yes, the joke. It's chill out on the joke, but it was the purge. The purge yeah, is going to be the punchline. Well, the purge is also what happens when everyone gets gastro on a boat, so, you know, that's appropriate. That's but I'm true, sitting here yeah. thinking, okay, do they in it? And be honest, we just watched Captain Phillips and it got into my head, like, in a big way. And if you're on international waters in a big ship, are you worried at all about pirates? Is there, do, do the crew at all prepare anyone for, in, in any case, like if someone were to row up to the boat and sort of try and hold the place up, or do they just like to pretend that doesn't exist? Is it the Tom Hanks movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, how, big, how big was that ship that got taken over? It's pretty freaking big. Well, it was a big, it was a cargo ship, so it's like the one that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah, yeah. It was like that, but not stuck. There were so many people on this boat thousands and drinks i reckon if it did get taken over i don't think we would have noticed until unless we when we finally got back to as long as it got back to shore we probably wouldn't have noticed um <laughs> that's a work that way <laughs> there was no yeah no trouble if i was going really badly on a gig it would almost be a relief to have the boat taken over. <laughs> please fucking, please rob saved. this boat <laughs> um so uh, distraction but uh no it was yeah. okay it was um Food was okay, and uh, yeah, if the toilet had flushed, I would have given it a pretty good review. Look, I, I think we've really upset our sponsors, P&O, but other than that, <laughs> we're so glad that you're here. You're, you're off of the, death, the floating death trap. You're here on our island. Luke, would you consider yourself a foodie? Is a foodie just someone who likes food? I don't know. I, I guess that the really, it's you know, it's one of those labels that you can make of it what you will. I think it's somebody who, yeah, likes food, but maybe is a bit fancy with it. Would you say, Paul? So for me, a foodie is someone who likes food but thinks they understand it more than anyone else. Mm, okay. You know, like you listen to the same music everyone else does, but they don't get it like you do, right? Right. Then. No, I guess because I, other than squash, which is that yellow. Mm. bittery thing I pretty much will eat anything so I don't know if I'm a foodie I am when it comes to potato chips I think I'm very uh I like to try all different types of chip flavors but um <laughs> that's that's about as far as it goes are you talking about packet chips or hot chips packet chips right so you'll go into the supermarket and you're a bit of a connoisseur and you're like mm, I'm gonna try that what's the new one gravy what's the gravy chip like I'll experiment yeah I'll um I'll, I'll throw caution of the wind when it comes to chips potato chips but that's yeah not 30 I'm not sure not, re- not, re- not really because food's a, it's a weird thing to be a Sweet thing to have as a hobby because it's essential. Like, if we don't have food, we die. So it's kind of like being a breathy or a watery. It's kind of like you just, well, you have to consume it. So you don't really yeah. have a choice. Yeah. I guess, yeah, someone who, um, I was trying to think of someone who like, likes to try a whole many varieties of toilets. So just these sort of functions that we have to do, but try and turn them into a bit of an adventure. Right. I think it is one of those, it, it is an interesting thing because you're absolutely right. We need it. But there are just so many levels on which you can approach food you can be you can be a health nut you can be bogo standard and eat all the packet foods you know we're not shaming anybody because as we've had these conversations if you just really like packet white bread that's absolutely fine i mean maybe not for your insides but that's absolutely fine my dad for example has had to just change his whole philosophy on food because he was uh he has diabetes and that was getting to a pretty critical point and he's completely turned his food relationship around and he's eating really, really well. So it's it's necessary, but you can also be, you can be a wanker about food. And I'm really enjoying leaning in lately and being a wanker. You know in The Matrix when he says everything the body needs and they get, they feed him that, that white paste stuff? Yeah, it's the gruel. It has amino acids and something else it's in like there. It's like tasty wheat, remember? Yeah, I would eat 
like I, if that's all I were allowed, if if I just had to eat that all the time, but it gave me everything the body needed and it was healthy, I'd be fine with that. Like really? Yeah, just like a just like a rectangular block or something, and I just ate that. So you're a food is fuel guy. Yeah, like I I don't um, I'm happy with just that. I, I get frustrated having to cook and stuff and. If I could just, if someone could just give me a little block and uh, it would keep my body fat percentage at a healthy level, I'd be like, that's fine. I'll just do that. Oh my God, that's, wow. that's incredible. You're the first person we've had on the show that thinks about food in this way. This is great. Well, you wouldn't know that from looking at my waistline right now. But, um, <laughs> uh, I blame it on food being complicated. Uh, if someone could just hand me some rectangular blocks, no problem. But uh, my favorite flavor of chips actually original. It's the stock standard. I still haven't found a flavour that beats sea salt yet. Paul, I want you to try and describe verbally what your face just did then. It's like, have you ever seen someone's face get sucked in on itself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's me eating salt and vinegar. <laughs> because we have some friends that will, you'll say, okay, so it's time for chips. And they'll go with the, you know, with the regular, just plain flavor. And I'm always confused because I'm like, look, just the weirder, the better. But I, can you explain to me what it is you like? And I know that you've just explained that you like, you would just like things delivered to you in a new, like a fuss-free nutrient paste. So I suspect I'm going to understand the answer. <laughs> but what is it you like about plain chips? Um, I think I just really like salt and so the um the chip just provides a vehicle for the salt um it's like a little little, little edible salt dispenser really um so it's just a it's just a sodium kick um, no nobody's meant to describe chippies as a necessary sodium kick you're like a vulcan at this point yeah i don't um i try and limit my sodium but when i do lean in i really i really lean in salt and vinegar is the only chip i don't like just because i when i was in cub scouts we did a run, like a cross-country run, and they set up a table with 60 plastic cups of water at the end of the run for us all to grab a drink from. And one of them, as a joke, was filled with vinegar. And I picked up the vinegar one. And ever since then, vinegar makes me uh, wince a little. Because uh, I, I just scold this cup of vinegar. And it was definitely just random. You just happened to get the vinegar cup. I, I don't know if they were old vinegar, but I, uh, I got the one. Mine had vinegar in it. Unless it was just a vinegar cup. Lying around, I don't There's know why. It's just a random, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the old <laughs> going on a run. Don't forget your vinegar. Yeah, yeah like someone a... put their cup of vinegar next to the cups of water by accident. But uh, no, I was um, I was a victim. What's the scout equivalent, the scoutmaster equivalent of Jesus? You know, with transubstantiation, where he can just turn water into wine. What if scoutmasters can turn water into vinegar, and he did it by accident? What a useless skill, really, because you're turning <laughs> something the, the body the body needs into something that the body rejects. But uh, yeah, he could have. It could have been. It could have been someone discovering their powers but not realising how to use them yet and accidentally change one of the caps to to vinegar. What I'm hearing, though, with your food and your approach to it is there is – it's very practical. It's very intelligent. Do you think this is the economist in you overriding potentially your tummy? Um, (laughs) It could be. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because if you were to eat these nutrient blocks, these uh, amino delivery systems, it would be a very economical way of, of, of surviving, I suppose. Do you consider economics when you go to the supermarket? It's a thing to, I, I guess it's laziness. I don't 
like to not have to worry about it. That's just taken care of then. So you can just get on with life. Just like I've got my rectangular blocks. I have three a day and then you, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just done. Um, so that, that, that appeals to me. Like, and I say that assuming that I can still go to a restaurant every now and then. So I'm not like 365 days a year on these rectangular blocks. If I want to go to, you know, if I want to, go to Nando's once in a while I can but I'm but I'm normally on the rectangular blocks so maybe 85% rectangular blocks and then you pop down to um I don't know why I'm having trouble naming food places Burger King and then uh but mostly mostly block oh and you know every now and then I can have a rectangular block and a a glass of white wine I'm more fussy with the drinks I think it's just so fascinating because you said you know that you can just have these rectangular blocks you can get on with life for me life gets in the way of all the time I would just prefer to spend eating and cooking. So it's so fascinating. When you say life, I mean, for example, if you're going to treat yourself, for me, it's all going to come down to food. If you, Luke McGregor, are going to treat yourself because, I don't know, you just finished the fifth season of an incredibly successful television comedy show, what do you do to reward yourself? Oh, I think he would buy the fire station from Ghostbusters and live in it is what I think he'd do with any... Like, if, if wish fulfillment's your thing, I'm guessing it's not food, right? I'm guessing it's other stuff. It's usually things, yeah. yeah. I just bought online a replica Egon Spengler Ghostbusters neutrino one. <laughs> On. Was that actually a thing? I thought you were just pulling something out of no. the air, Paul. No, he's the biggest Ghostbusters fan I've what? ever met. Yeah, I just I just bought that today, um, and uh, that's from all the money I saved not going to restaurants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you you got Egon's what? His neutron. His uh, neutrino wand. It's uh, it's the it's the proton pack gun basically. I also paid a prop master in the UK to make me a proton pack. So like I, I tend to splurge on props or things from tr- things that I couldn't afford when I was a kid and then I buy them for myself now. That's kind of my go to. I mean you guys you guys, I know you guys are into a lot of pop culture stuff. You guys must have some some movie props or stuff you've bought that you've always wanted, wouldn't you? Yeah, we've got some pretty contentious pieces around the house. Tegan's got Bishop's shoes, replicas of Bishop's shoes from Aliens. And oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, they're so beautiful. They're beautiful. I, I haven't actually, I've put them on several times. I haven't worn them yet. You know, I haven't been willing to messy up the soles of these shoes yet. Are they comfortable? They're great. They're so great, Luke. Oh, I love them so much. And Paul, haven't you just had somebody design you a lightsaber? Yeah, so when I was in high school, Luke, we had a prop making class and I made like my dream lightsaber handle from old shaver parts, a broom handle, duct tape and went really ham on this thing. And then last year, I got in touch with these prop makers in the States who make lightsabers out of actual materials. And I sent them the like a 3D render of my broom handle one and they're going to make it in real metal. So they're going to render it as like a real lightsaber. That's that's. that's awesome. That is probably one next purchase is I'd love to own a, a lightsaber, one that I can sort of swing around and makes noises. Should we ever meet it in real life holding a lightsaber so we can battle with them? Like I'd, I'd like, <laughs> I'd like, or maybe you have to buy one that looks cool yeah. and then you have to buy one that you actually use as a, to muck around with. I don't know, but um yeah, I'd love to own a lightsaber. That would be that would be definitely up there with my. That's probably on the purchase list soon. Huh? Our whole thing is that we, you know, really like to tantalise people with these "what if" food questions, and we certainly are going to get or find out what your desert island dish is. But before we get there, now I'm just so curious if you could have one film prop, you can have it for an 
any film and the actual the actual prop they used in the film so not a replica Mm. you could have you know uh, you could have somebody's real lightsaber you could have indy's hat or you could have you know hicks's dog tags from aliens whatever it is what is the one piece of film paraphernalia that you want above all others i mean because ghostbusters would be the obvious answer something like the ecto one or something i'll I'll, I'll say if it wasn't ghostbusters if i wasn't allowed to have a prop from ghostbusters then it'd be fun to have in your super large garage in your mansion ripley's uh, exosuit from uh, aliens oh my god <laughs> yes be, that would just be fun to have in the background but yeah pr- pr- it'd be something like that but if it, but if i could just if i could have anything it would be i'd love to have my own ecto one i actually looked into um someone was selling one for like two hundred forty thousand dollars us and i'm just like oh i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's so, funny when you start making asking the questions, don't you? Well, the question because yeah. my friend Josh went and he shelled out his like life savings, and he has the DeLorean from Back to the Future Two. Oh, wow! Then he took it to again a custom prop maker who put on that Mister Fusion on the back and the lights. So when you open it, it makes the noise and the smoke comes out. And we rode around Los Angeles in this thing, blasting the soundtrack. Stopped at these traffic lights. And the looks you get in this thing, the initial response you get is kind of like a, oh, what a loser. But then they actually look and they see how happy you are and they get it. And I think seeing you in Ecto-1 with that noise, with the, you know, the the siren going off, Mm. if you pulled like a 180 degree drifting turn through like the Sydney CBD, (laughs) people would lose their fucking minds, Luke. There's a guy in Adelaide who owns one. Um, so I'm just waiting for him to um, g- get in financial trouble, so I can. Oh, no, that's <laughs> much better, much better. Or die, yeah, no, it's um, but uh, and there's a someone was selling the actual car, not an Ecto one, but a rep, but the the car that the Ecto one's made from for about. 50 grand. Uh, it's just something I just, every now and then I'll just have a look and just sort of see what's around. Uh, so, yeah, that's that'd be a, I'd have to reach a certain level of income that I'm not quite at yet um, before I uh, splurge on the next one. I'd also need a place to park it. I don't have parking at the moment. <laughs> my, house, my housemates take the one car park. Well, what was food like in your home growing up, Luke? We Oh, terrible. Um, we, we had, mum and dad used to make, um, neither of them can cook very well, so they used to make... Um, these one potters to save on dishes. Um, so they'd just be sort of, you know, the, the, the base would be water and then they'd just add a bunch of veggies and some, it would just become this broth um, and it tasted, and then it would just have a different meat in it. Both parents couldn't cook. And so I grew up thinking vegetables were terrible. And then I tasted veggies that were cooked well. I'm like, oh no, veggies actually aren't that bad. <laughs> um, but uh, it was, or if, it, if it was Brussels sprouts, they'd mum would just boil, boil them. And um, I really... I don't mind Brussels sprouts, but you've got to do something with them. Whereas if you just boil them, ugh, I don't know, and just boiled cabbage and, uh, yeah, it just wasn't a good time. Um, so I moved out when I was six and when I got out, got a job and <laughs> got, an apart- got an apartment and um, started watching YouTube videos on how to cook. Um, well, in Hobart, with house prices back then, you what, you pick something up for pocket money, right? Oh, yeah, should have held on to it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, was, I was dumb. I was dumb. That's bizarre, Luke. Is you just, you're describing your approach to food, and I always thought that people who thought food was fuel just didn't enjoy food. But you seem to really enjoy all kinds of stuff, but you also crave efficiency. There is something I wanted to bring your attention to. Back in about 2014, I think, in Silicon Valley, a bunch of startup people decided to try and create the ultimate food, and they called it Soylent. And it's this sort of, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's literally a paste. Isn't it? people no no that's soylent green this oh is okay yeah it is a reference to that very taste <laughs> i thought i was like what yeah but this is bizarre so it was started so the ingredients of this stuff water maltodextrin soy protein isolate high oleic algal oil 
Isomaltulose, canola oil, rice starch, and oat fiber, and you get like a powdered version or the liquid version. And apparently, scientifically, it literally has everything your body needs, and you can refrigerate it like like you would a kind of a carton of milk. And so you literally have a cup of uh, soylent, and apparently, it's got everything you need. Now, this is back in 2014. It went through a real boom around 2017, 2018. I haven't heard much about it recently, but the idea was these techs were so busy, they thought, can I not just make a thing that has everything I need so I don't have to actually think about food? Does this appeal to you at all? Uh, very much so, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, did it work or did it just go to go to fashion? Uh, okay, so first of all, it was a bit of a startup, right? So I think it was like a Kickstarter startup. The health effects, um, apparently it had like hundreds and hundreds of things that you needed. It says some people have experienced gastrointestinal problems from from consumption, particularly excessive flatulence. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> it's it's also um, I guess with any sort of new food, it's it's impossible to measure the long term effects on something that just came out in the 2010s, I suppose. But yeah. um, that but that if if it was safe, oh, absolutely, I'd 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 replace quite a large part of my diet with that just to just for ease of just for the speed of it. It's um that that really appeals to me. I I like when I'm trying to get in shape. I just like the um. Just having all the thought taken out of it, you know, just being able to shake something up or unpeel something and eat it. That's that's very appealing to me. What's interesting is they said it had ten to twenty-five. I'm just reading this. Ten to twenty-five times the amount of cadmium and lead than in normal food. <laughs> and in 2016, <laughs> the, in 2016, the company announced it would halt sales of the soylent bar due to reports of gastrointestinal illness, including nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. The company asked customers, asked, begged to discard any unconsumed bars and said it would offer full refunds. Then they did a product recall on the soylent powder. Um, saying it was coming back, causing stomach illness. Then they suspended all their other products, blaming the flour that was being used. And I think they've stopped existing since then. So it was a it was a bold experiment, but it sounded right up your alley. It did. Yeah, it's a shame it um it didn't pan out. But uh, I um I guess it'll I just go back to bananas. I suppose bananas are supposed to be the the superfood, aren't they? They're the one you can eat. I think that, I think there's a lot in there. I mean, I don't know if you're getting your protein from bananas i'm not sure but i I tell you what's interesting though about that the bar the soylent bar pool i mean other than the the pesky lead situation you're talking about the flatulence and the stomach issues and sure that's not good but hi meat french onion soup i mean it's not like it's not like there are actual foods that aren't going to do that if not worse so i just don't think you can you write it off for luke just because of you know he's going to be a farty party. The, the lead is funny because it's, it's Superman. <laughs> Superman just says, "I can't, I can't see through your stomach anymore. I don't know. I think this is. I don't think you should stop eating <laughs> what you're reading." Yeah, but he goes, "I can't see through your stomach, but I'm sensing cadmium." Like, yeah. <laughs> I can, <laughs> well, while the world's leading scientists continue trying to make the perfect nutrient bar that delivers everything the body needs, uh Luke, you are for now going to have to pick one dish that will provide you with everything you need while you are trapped here on our island. And now, after everything you've said, I am so curious to see what you will come up with. But Luke, what is your desert island dish? I would probably bring a very tasty lasagna. Great! We've not had a lasagna. And it's got to have becamol or bechamol, however you pronounce it. It's got to have that sauce on it as well. I don't want to, I don't want some lasagna that's just sort of that mince part. I want I want I want some of that white sauce stuff. Um 
I like a nice cheesy lasagna. So I think a, I think a cheesy lasagna would be my 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 go-to. It's just a um, it's like a it's pretty much the rectangular block I was talking about before, but just a much cooler version of it. Okay, this is good. All right, now just so I'm really clear that we're painting the the right picture here for your lasagna, we're talking definitely a red meat filling. So maybe a mixture of uh, pork and beef. Yep, uh, and um, multiple layers. Uh, and a very cheesy, saucy top. Yes. Pretty much what you get in those frozen lasagnas, but like a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want like a really good lasagna. Do you generally have it just sitting like a brick in the middle of a plate or do you put it with anything? Do you have like a side salad or anything like that? Look, it's usually a side salad in case my parents barge in. I, I just love it's like a fancy sandwich or something. It's um, But usually, yeah, just a side salad. I don't want anything in the – I don't want anything to – clash with the lasagna so the, the salad might even be in another bowl so as not to get any of the uh, dressing on the lasagna so the lasagna stays pure what makes me really happy about this is that when paul and i first started dish we assumed that there would be a few stock standard aussie favorites that would just be on the island things like tacos pizza lasagna mm. spag bowl so far so few of those dishes have actually been brought to Dish Island, but just last week, Emruciano brought tacos, and now you've brought the lasagna. So I feel like I feel like the the universe is coming right again, Paul. Nature is healing, especially if we're allowed to swap our dishes with each other. Um, no one's swapping with Celia and her dumb salad roll answer. Um, <laughs> But I'm happy to swap first. I'm happy to have taco night. There's some really good stuff happening. Because I'm a big fan of the idea that, yes, people can trade dishes. So some people rock up, Luke, and they want to know what everyone else picked so that they can kind of fill some sort of hole, right? Like they can, you know, make up for some sort of deficit going on. And as an economist or as someone who has like an economist's brain, I thought you'd be looking at that. But you did something I really like. You chased your bliss, damn it. You went, I like lasagna. I want lasagna. Let Let the mountain come to me. What's really interesting, though, is certain people on the island, like Darren, and Hayes, who just brought ice cream, uh, cereal milk ice cream, he's trying to cozy up and make friends with people. And I'm going to be honest, there are divisions that are starting on the island. Yeah. And Luke, you're going to have to really pick your sides, whether you're going to be a sharer or a not sharer. As, a, as an economist, um, I will have to create some sort of um, barter econ- economy, um, whether we have some sort of lasagna flooding exchange rate or... Um, <laughs> Uh, just to sort of just 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 to make it so that you know there there is uh, you know there, there's no division amongst people, uh, so that I'll, I'll get straight on that. You've not only brought your wonderful lasagna to the island, but capitalism. Yeah, there's also now there's a weird ticker tape running along with the Nikkei right next to bechamel. It's, <laughs> it's very confusing. We can have, we can have some sort of social democratic um, system. Um, Good. So there's a, there's yeah the only one that's getting excluded is Celia in her salad roll. She can. Um, <laughs> She can enjoy that. Um, she will not be part of the economy here. No, because she's going to be living in the hills like the like the salad roll Che Guevara. She's going to like bring an uprising against you. So 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 generic. Not even specifying what's in it. You know, just to... <laughs> there's no there's no central ingredient. Actually, she didn't. She didn't state a central ingredient. No, I know. Uh, I like just it. It's just terrible answer. Um, and uh, <laughs> expect nothing less from my um, from my former former best friend after hearing that that response. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Luke, thank you so much. If you can put the horrible, horrible floating comedy gig behind you. Hang on. You... I've, I've just heard, I've just gotten word. Yeah, um, we've actually sent a flotilla out and we've sunk the boat for you, okay? Oh, there we go. That's nice. Yeah. That's good. So you'll never have to see those people again. There are no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something horrible has happened. Yeah. Those people have made it to the island. 
And so now I'm stuck um, with all the uh, people who came, who took the safety boats uh, to the island, and oh now I have to live with them um, forever. So this is this could not have worked out worse for me. This is really full on because everything that our guests say is now canon. Canon. So, so how many people are you saying just arrived on the island? Between fifteen hundred and three thousand, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, the problem is, no, Luke. What you've done is you've you've made us now. We have to do fifteen hundred to three thousand episodes, each one per person. <laughs> Of just these schmoes. You can put them on the island. You will, they can have half the island with Celia, and then all the rest of us <laughs> can have the other half. So it's okay. So you know, in Jurassic Park one, how there was like the main island, and then they went to just there was just a second island where they had the kind of the 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 dinosaur cutoffs. Is that what you're saying? Celia has. Yeah, I just yeah. Again, I'm not nothing against the salad roll, but the fact that she didn't specify what's in the salad roll, it just I mean, it's not an answer. <laughs> it's not an answer. Well, she has an army now, and, and they've got a thirst for blood. That's true. I apologise. Salad roll is a, is a good choice. Yeah. Um, sorry, Silson. <laughs> Instant capitulation. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on to the show, and uh, we're sorry that you're trapped here for all eternity, but at least you have um, at least you have your principles. Yeah, I um, I mean, I couldn't have brought my Nintendo Switch as well. I'd run out of, it'd run out of batteries. So, um, no, it's fine. That's, that's all good. I've got lasagna. I'm fine. Well, there you have it, folks. Our first food ambivalent foodie. He's a robot, Tegan. <laughs> He's a robot. He, he wants to ingest a paste so he can better understand humans. I, <laughs> he also doesn't blink properly, like his eyes move at the wrong time, and I see him watching the way we move so later he can use it against <laughs> us. So Luke McGregor, robot man, is now on the island, and he's now going to have to face off against Celia Bacuola and her salad rolls. So it's it's a really interesting, fraught time to be here on Dish Island. God help any future guests. God, I know that we're all missing Rosehaven, and it would be a dream if we could have another season of Rosehaven, but it's not going to happen happen mm. so luke versus celia bacuola on dish island that is a show that i would watch 100 percent. well thank you so much for listening to another episode of dish island we have really really enjoyed having you here and don't forget if you were on the cruise liner that luke mentioned being sunk uh of course your episodes will be coming up as bonus spin-off episodes <laughs> over the next 14 years thanks everyone bye-bye bye-bye now bye-bye cheerio ta-ta everyone Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.